0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Palo Alto, California, with a very special guest by the name of Stefan Baral. Stefan, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Definitely, and thanks for having me, Mark. Absolutely. Now, I'm very excited today because my listeners know that I'm a big-time Porsche fanatic. They hear it ad nauseum. For those of you who aren't, sorry, but I am. That's who I am. always had lots of Porsches, and today I am with a guy from Porsche, so I'm super excited about this. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into what you're doing there, at Porsche, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Stefan? Yeah, I think one thing that
1: actually most people, even my team, I think, doesn't really know about me is that I had, I owned quite a couple of cars uh, immediately after I got my driver's license back in the days. And I even modified them quite a bit. So I bought uh, when I was 18, like I was always waiting to get my driver's license. And in Germany, you can get it at 18. Um, and I think two weeks after it, I actually bought a Volkswagen Golf third generation, which was my first car. And I put everything into it. Like I put a mega exhaust um, system on it. I also put those super loud loudspeakers on it. I actually even had to put something under my license plates like those cotton pads um, because they started to vibrate when I put on the sound. <laughs> it was definitely very crazy. Yeah. And I don't know if that ever existed here in the US, but in Germany there was something um, called Angry Eye that you can put on cars. Um, which made the headlights of the car actually look like the car is angry. Wow. Uh, so that's that's another thing that I put on it. And then after that, I, I really swapped my cars pretty frequently. I had a Volkswagen Lupo, for example. I'm not, not sure if you know about it, One a super small Volkswagen car in yellow. When I was driving around in my student town uh, in Germany, everyone recognized me because it looked like a postal car because it was the <laughs> same yellow than the, the postal cars like in Germany i think that's that's kind of a story that most people don't really don't really know about about myself
0: well we have a little bit in common because the first new car i bought when i was in college was a first gen volkswagen scirocco oh nice yeah so i was very uh, proud of that saved up my money my mom helped a little bit with that and uh that was a fun car and i did pretty much like you did immediately put some of those old 80s gold basket weave bbs rims on it and big time stereo and yeah all this stuff that's what we do so uh definitely a car guy. Well, let me give you a, an introduction. We're going to talk about what you're up to there. Stefan Baral is the managing director at Porsche Digital, the sports car manufacturer's digital subsidiary in the United States that currently employs more than 50 people. He's responsible for the development of new business models and products. Stefan joined a Porsche Digital as part of the founding team back in 2016. He also heads up Marked, an online venture of Porsche Digital that focuses on classic and modern classic vehicles. He team provided an exciting and transparent auction platform plus unique content from owners and experts. This is a community for enthusiasts of all types to buy and sell, gain knowledge, and share their passion for all sorts of marks. Chiffon also leads the Porsche Ventures activities in the United States with a portfolio of more than 30 companies. In his role, he occupies multiple board seats at portfolio companies. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our valued sponsor. So give them a little listen today. Thank Porsche. We'll be right back. Covercraft's newest five-layer indoor cover is especially engineered for indoor use, providing maximum dust protection when your vehicle is stored in the garage. Your five-layer indoor cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention-to-detail, form, and fit with the quality and attention-to-detail that's been their standard since 1965. Even if your vehicle is always inside, dust and fallout can damage the paint. And an extra layer of soft, breathable material protects from accidental bumps and rubs. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover, custom fit to fit the car like a glove. And I have a deal for you. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your order plus... Free shipping, that's right, 10% off and free shipping. Simply use the code YEAH, yeah at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. So Stefan, let's uh, dive a little deeper into your career uh, there at Porsche and talk a little bit about this new department, part of porsche porsche digital and marked how did this all come about why is porsche doing this and then of course we'll talk in depth about marked because i love this website it's not only a place where people can go and find cars for sale or post cars for sale but you go a lot deeper you get into stories and things about cars and people in cars and so forth it's one of those sites that consume a lot of my time i'm gonna send you a bill Uh, but it's a lot of fun to be there so take us on a little journey on how this all came about
1: yeah happy to do it mark thank you um, so first of all, as you can hear on my accent, I'm from Germany originally, so I've, I spent most of my life actually in the automotive industry. My first start in automotive was actually in Spain, in Barcelona, working for the uh, Spanish car company Seat. Um, I don't know if you, you are familiar with them. No, because They, they, are they don't,
0: don't really import those here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then in 2012, I finally made it back to my hometown, to Stuttgart, to actually start working for, for Porsche back in the days. So I worked for Porsche headquarters at the beginning of of my career. Um, And then in 2016, um, Porsche actually decided to spin out a subsidiary called Porsche Digital. And the main goal and purpose of that spin out has actually been to work on new digital products, right? So that was was our purpose when we first started. And I was very lucky, um, now looking back, that I was part of the first uh, team of first uh, three people on the team. Wow. Um, And it was a super amazing story, like we we started in 2016, in the meantime the company is active in nine locations around the globe, so in all major markets of Porsche, and we have 270 employees globally, and as I said, it has been an awesome ride. And what we are doing are a couple of things, right, and I think we want to focus today on more the new business side of things, but we are essentially doing three main things. One part of our team is actually developing digital products on behalf of Porsche. So it's products like the Porsche Finder, where you can find used cars online and things like that, right? Those are things where we are kind of the execution partner for Porsche. So we have the digital talent, we have software engineers, designers, product managers. Um, Then our second um, focus area is new digital products. One of those is Marked, and we'll dive into that, I think, today fairly deeply. And last but not least, um, it's Porsche Ventures, um, which is uh, a corporate venture capital unit that invests in startups Um, And it's also part of my role. But let me probably really uh, jump into Mark for a second. So my team and I, we, one and a half years ago, we have been exploring, like, what kind of areas are still, in our opinion, a little bit unexplored in the car enthusiast market. And what we realized is that, first of all, the car enthusiast market, as you know, is huge, right? There are so many people out there excited about cars. It sounds like a niche market, but it actually isn't. It's tremendously big. Um, there are so many fans. Like if you look at Instagram, um, the Porsche channel alone has 26 million followers on Instagram. Wow. But I guess most of them probably never will own a Porsche at the end, right? So we thought about what can we actually do with all those people that are enthusiastic about cars? And we realized that the entry barrier to become a car enthusiast is actually fairly high nowadays, right? Um, and we 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 explored like opportunities, how we can lower that barrier to enter Um, And that's why we actually started Mark, because we thought content and kind of engaging content is actually a way to to really make people excited about things. So we started with the stories um, about collectors, about vehicles, but really also putting an emphasis on the people behind the cars and the community, um, because that's at least my personal experience. I I really like cars a lot, but it's even more interesting to meet the people and hear their stories um, and actually just understand their backgrounds and how they got into it. So that's how we started. And then we added step-by-step new features. One um, new product that we launched end of last year is the auction marketplace um, that we have added. The platform will grow over the next couple of months into different verticals. But as you said, it's really not an auction site. Um, At first, it's really a place, a hub for car enthusiasts actually to enjoy reading about cars and um, meeting people and, and other owners at the end.
0: Absolutely. you know. I've interviewed so many people here on Cars. Yeah. And it always comes back to exactly what you said. It's the people. Yeah. The cars, in my mind, are just a catalyst to bring us all together. And if you look at the growth in just cars and coffee type events, whatever they're called, there's a lot of different names for them. It's all about a, an excuse for people to get together with like-minded fans. And the other thing about the car, Mark, in my mind, it brings together people from all different levels, socioeconomic, politics, genders, everything. And, but we all come together and we have this common fun thing that we can share and enjoy together and i really believe that the car industry and the passion enthusiasts for cars it's a very unique type of world there's not too many others that that can do that right
1: i fully agree with you like we had oh, when we when we launched uh, Mark really to market um last year we actually joined an event uh, called rare shades
0: <laughs> Pete Stouts event yeah
1: exactly um uh, here in california there were like I think roughly 400 people. It took place at Skywalker Ranch uh, in Marion County, and there were roughly 400 people, and they've all been so so interesting people, right? And as you said, the diversity of those people was was just huge, right? Uh, they were entrepreneurs. They were successful sea um, level uh, people from big companies like big tech companies, but then also people that just found a project car somewhere and restored it and came there, right? And what united them is the passion about cars. But I'm even personally convinced about that, and it might be a little bit a, a questionable statement uh, for others in the car space, but I'm convinced about that some people even buy a classic car to only be part of that community.
0: It could be, yeah.
1: Because they want to meet those people, right? And that's also honestly, and probably we we'll talk about it later a bit, but when, when I bought my 911, um, it, it really opened up to me a, a completely new world um, uh, in terms of meeting people, in terms of learning new things, Um, And just having a a different part in life where you can really have fun um, with the community out there. So as you can hear, I'm super excited about (laughs) this space. Like also personally, it's not just my role uh, at, at Porsche Digital. I'm just really super excited about what we are doing there and what we are able to hopefully achieve in the next couple of years.
0: Well, see, you found the secret sauce to life, Stefan, and that's why I started this podcast was to help people that love automobiles find a way to work in that field and be a part of it because so many people go to work every day and they live for the weekends and the cars and coffees and, and the evenings, but they don't enjoy really what they're doing and now with over 2,000 people, 2,063 people on the show, there's lots of different ways to get involved with this. I got to enjoy Pete's first Rare Shades event, which took place during Car Week Pebble Beach. He had it at Bruce Canapa's shop. Bruce Canopa, of course, another big Porsche file, races yep. Porsches and so forth. And that was the first one. In fact, he he really wanted me to bring my turbo that my listeners know as Orange Crush, my paint-to-sample car. I didn't really want to drive it all the way down there because I'm so picky about it, which is another <laughs> whole other discussion for another day. But well, yeah, this is fun. And we're going to learn about a turbo you have too in a little bit when I talk to you yeah. about a special car. But yeah. I really love what you're doing. And for you listeners, uh, go check it out. Uh, the website i will put a link on Stefan's show notes page. But it's very easy to find. Uh, it's simply Marked. And you can just go there, Marked.com, and you can find all this stuff. And it's not just about Porsches either. So if, if you think, ah, oh, that's not for me. I'm not into Porsches. There's a lot more there for you. So
1: yeah. And thanks for mentioning that, Mark, because I think that's important, like our other like hypothesis when we went into the space has actually been that if you are a car enthusiast, you are a car enthusiast right and some people are really purely about a specific brand which is awesome um, but why shouldn't they meet other car enthusiasts from other brands or marks uh, but then even beyond that I think there are a lot of people out there and I would include myself in that I, 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 I love I love Porsche I love Porsche cars but I also really like other vehicles right like there are so many very nice cars out there um, and you shouldn't like limit Aside um, to to a certain uh, brand, especially in that space, in my opinion, to really to really make it open and welcoming for everyone out there who's excited about about the car space.
0: Well, definitely. And one thing for you listeners to know is maybe you aspire to own a Porsche or a Ferrari or Lamborghini or whatever market might be. Uh, But it's not quite you're not there yet too expensive or you can't get in a lot of these marks have clubs I joined the Porsche club when I was in high school and I couldn't afford a Porsche Uh, I finally got one when I first started working. My first one was a 74 911s Um, So uh, that was kind of a fun my daily driver and I went through a lot of different 911s from there But you can join these clubs you can go and, and the great thing about joining clubs is you can go to events And when you start to get to a point where you want to start buying the car Talk to these members. They'll teach you which ones to buy, which to stay away from, which ones you know could be a potential car of value. But I always say don't buy a car based on what it might be worth later. Yeah. Buy it because you love it. And you know what? They might even throw you the keys and let you drive their car. So uh, you might realize when you get in it, this is what I dreamed about. Or you might go, oh, this is not so great.
1: Yeah, that was something I really learned even since I'm here in, in the in the US and in California, because I think car culture here is is, is quite different than in other places. And what I really experienced it is exactly what you're saying, Mark, that the people in the space are com are super open um, to share their knowledge, right? Yeah. It sometimes might seem for new people to the space like the 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 space is not really approachable, right? If you because if you see the cars and coffees, everyone has a really awesome car there and it, and you don't really want to go there if you don't have a nice car. At least People might perceive it that way, but it's actually the complete opposite. Um, yes, like people share everything. They let you even drive the super valuable car, right? That's also something I experienced. So it's yeah. it's fascinating, and I really like motivate everyone to to go to cars and coffee or like to join a club um, just to just to try it out and see uh, if they like it or not.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I went to a Ferrari exclusive Ferrari event in Florida years and years ago called the Cavallino. And a guy tossed me the keys to a 250 short wheelbase Ferrari. And then later that day, I was telling somebody back at the hotel about it. And he said, well, I have one too. You want to drive mine? I got to drive two of those in one day. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. It was, I couldn't believe it. Kept pinching myself going, These guys are, and this was, gosh, before they were worth what they are today, but they were still probably close to a million dollar cars. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the car world's full of cool people. Let's talk about a, what I call a driving inspiration. Somebody in your life, business life, personal life, that has been a key mentor or some type of influencer or helper to you to help you move forward in your career.
1: Yeah. So I think for me personally, um, there wa- I think there wasn't that one person that really influenced me um, uh, that much. But if I would have to pick one, I honestly think it would be would be my wife. Um, we know each other now since, since 20 years, almost 20 years, which is kind of crazy. But I, yeah. but I share a lot of things with her when it also comes to challenges that I'm facing, even at work, right? Like things that I'm potentially even afraid of. And she has a really good way in Essentially, always asking me almost exactly the same question, and it and it is like something like, "What's actually the worst thing, thing that could happen if this fails or if this goes wrong?" And that really puts things into perspective for me, right? Because usually, it's not that bad, right? If things <laughs> right. from business standpoint, um, and that helps me to really be courageous and also take kind of bigger risks. But I think beyond that, I I was lucky in my in my business career also to have really. Really different leaders. I had really visionary leaders that like looked like 30 years um, ahead. I had really detailed leaders that were very focused on like executing um, immediate strategies. Also very passionate leaders, and it helped me just to understand the pros and cons like of all those kind of personalities. And I'm trying to just trying to create a good mix in my day-to-day life and how I, how I work together with my team at the end. Um, But as I said, I think one of my mottos in life is really never stop learning and having a growth mindset, right? So um, talking to people, talking to my team, talking to customers, to founders, and really just getting feedback and trying to implement that into what I'm
0: doing. It's all about communication. And I think that's a great thing that particularly women can teach us men, is to be better communicators. Uh, I've been married for 38 years and my wife has done the exact same thing for me and helped me many times when I was in situations. And I think for us men, sometimes we're reluctant to share things that we are afraid of or are challenged by because we don't want to look weak. We want to look like we're all knowing, right? But if you kind of open yourself up a bit and expose that, Yeah. People and spouses can be wonderful helps. But what you said I like the best about what your wife says is, well, what's the worst could happen? So give it a shot, right? Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors. When we come back, we are going to talk about a big challenge you face. So keep that in mind and we'll be right back. Awesome. You listeners know I've been into car care my entire life. I am so excited to team up with AutoGeek in 2022. AutoGeek.net has been a leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started in 1997 as a mail order catalog company has grown into a multi-website based e-commerce store that they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. Autogeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries and its retail sector ships worldwide. Go to Autogeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and their stellar technical support. Autogeek.net. It's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's Autogeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, And grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey and be sure to use the code CARSYA when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at linkagemag.com. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for restoration, preservation, and mentorship. and Their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM a Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles, skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. So let's talk about this. I like to share, or have my guests share, a big challenge, big failure, something that you had to overcome, but it really is more about the lesson learned. And I've heard some great answers to this. I even had a guest one time that said, every New Year's, my resolution is to fail 100 times in the new year. And and I said, yeah, wow? I said, why? She goes, because, and it was a woman, she said, because that means I tried 100 new things I'd never done before that I didn't know how to do. And I thought, wow, what a refreshing approach to failure right
1: yeah it's a really refreshing one and it's actually even like how she phrases it failing 100 times is my goal because that hopefully means she doesn't fail all the time so she even has to try out more than 100 things right (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) well yeah she might achieve well she did does achieve many of those so so take us on one of those situations for yourself yeah, I
1: think that one is, is for me, luckily, uh, like the uh, uh, business um, situation that, that I was in. So a couple of years back, the organization that I was working at at the time, they decided to not move forward with a partner that we have been working with since a long time, right? It was a very close partner of ours. And I was actually the person like owning that relationship to that other company. The decision also came a little bit by surprise, right? It came a little bit out of the blue and we have been quite an important partner for them. So it. It it could have even meant the end for that team over there, right? So it, it was pretty tough for me. And I and I was the one like also that had to communicate the situation to uh, to to the management team. Uh. And it took me actually really a couple of days to think about what's the best approach. And I kind of had three different options, I think. One was sending them an email, another one was calling them. Another one was flying there and meeting them in person. And I actually decided to go there in person Bravo! and tell them also in detail what the reasoning behind the decision has been. Right. And I think despite the fact that they for sure were super frustrated and also disappointed, um, they actually knew how hard it was for me to actually go there and bring those bad news in person. Right. Right. And I think that helped them really to separate also the business decision from kind of our personal relationship That really helped me and we are still friends we're still talking they are even still uh, working on other projects now with with us and and i think my takeaway from that one to your question and that's what i'm trying to apply also in my day-to-day doesn't always work but sometimes it's actually better to take the more uncomfortable route Right now um, to actually safeguard like things for the future and relationships. Right. So that's kind of my, my take from that from the challenge that I faced.
0: You know, bravo to you, because many, many people take, <laughs> I guess I would use the word the coward's way out, you know, just send an email and hope it goes away and not face it. But for you to do that not only was a challenge, but you also took valuable time out of your day and your life to go and meet with them. And I wish everybody had that approach, even when the news is bad. But the other thing that I love to, a phrase I learned a long time ago was, uh, eat that frog. When you have something bad to do, you just got to eat that frog, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and go do it. So uh, my hat's off to you for doing that. That was the best decision. And I think in some ways, above and beyond, But you're right. Look what it did. Now you have these communications that are still there. These people could help you in the future, wherever you are. And you don't burn that bridge, which so many people do. It's tragic.
1: Yeah. Again, communication, right? To your point from before. And it's sometimes really the details, right? Like um, really those those things that see minor they make long term a really big difference for people
0: absolutely you know i like to ask people about future and bucket list items and i realize with a large corporation like porsche there's maybe some things you can't share at this point but are there some things you can maybe share about marked that are coming that we might be looking forward to it could be as simple as a cool story that's coming up
1: (laughs) no i'm happy to share those kind of things so i think when it comes to to Mark, as as you as you heard before, I'm super passionate about the space as a whole as well, right? And I think our goal as a team, as a market team, is really to have a big impact on the car enthusiast market in the U.S. but also globally. And our big vision is actually to really preserve automotive heritage, right? Um, by sharing the passion of cars, uh, but also by sharing the passion of the people that are actually behind the cars. And I think that's a bold vision, right? To to preserve automotive heritage. But I think the community out there is is doing that already, right? And and mark could be a tool for some of them at least to uh, to essentially leverage to do that. And to the other point we discussed before with like being brand agnostic at Mark, right? We get that question a lot of times. Why why does Porsche Digital launch a product that is not Porsche? It um, doesn't make sense. One of my uh, my employees actually recently shared a really good answer to that, which I would like to kind of repeat there, but I don't want to steal the answer from him. So it, it was his answer, but I like it. And he essentially said, like, if we want to preserve automotive heritage, um, there shouldn't be competition between between companies, right? It's just about the automotive heritage. And, and hopefully that's important for all brands out there at the end, right? So I think that's really what I, what I would like to achieve. And In terms of like talking about like new features and stuff like that, I think one thing that we are really embracing on the Marked team is user research. Um, It's deeply integrated into our team. We talk to our users, we talk to the sellers on the site, and we really embrace their feedback um, and we try to implement things that that they want to have, if it makes sense, also from a business standpoint, right? Um, So I think a couple of things that we want to do in the next couple of months is really also getting Making it even easier for people to really complete transactions and like having a more handhold process, not only for the transaction itself, but also kind of more than also in the ownership experience. So those are areas that we still want to enter at the end.
0: Very cool. I love it. And I love your colleagues comments there. Uh, They really are important because sometimes I think it goes back to. Maybe older times where people say, Oh, I'm a Ford guy, or I'm a Chevy guy, or, you know, there's this competition between. But I really think that the automotive enthusiast sector has changed and expanded beyond that and are very welcoming to people in all different marks. And we can rib each other a little bit about who's faster or who's better, but uh, we all know Porsche is the best. So, anyway, onward to the next one. <laughs> I had to slip that one in. Uh, now I'm going to get in trouble and get some emails. Calm down, everybody. Calm down. I love anything that rolls on rubber. You know that. So let's talk about a special vehicle story. I've been dying to hear about this car. Uh, another fellow Porsche Turbo owner. I understand it's an 84. Tell me about this thing.
1: I have actually a story about a different car. Um, but oh, let me, no. let me oh, talk about uh, about that 84 as well. Um, okay. Because it's right now the most exciting car that I'm owning. It's unfortunately not a turbo. It's a turbo look. Oh, Uh, well, you
0: know, even more rare.
1: It's even more rare, yeah. Uh, So it took me, when I came over to California three years ago, one of my goals has actually been to buy a classic car because you see them everywhere, right? Uh, It took me three years to accomplish it because it's so difficult to find the right one. But then last year in September, I think it was, I found that 1984 Carrera Turbo look in ruby red metallic. Okay. Um, So both are quite rare, I would say. And I think the memory or the cool thing about that car it's the car itself, but even more the story how I got it. Um, so let me let me talk about it, and you will like it because there is paint to sample in it as well, okay. in a different way, but an interesting way. Um, so essentially, I found the car online, but then the car didn't sell uh, um, on that site, and then I connected actually offline with with the with the seller who lived in San Francisco or is still living there. So I, it was easy for me to meet him uh, to drive the car. I then bought the car. Interestingly, and again the people, he's also a huge Porsche fan. Um, and we now became friends even, right? So when we met for Christmas, for dinner, he brought me a bracelet, and I'm wearing it right now. I'm not sure if you can see oh, it. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Okay. interesting thing is the bracelet has pearls, paint to sample, ruby red metallic.
0: No, wait. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's special. <laughs> that's pretty darn cool.
1: But it was, that was was really, really cool, I think. And and it, it also, like, I was super happy about that whole story because it confirms our whole assumption behind Mark that, like, the trust between buyers and sellers is so important, but right. also that the people behind the cars are so important. So that was cool. I have another story about the car, but we can
0: also not talk about it. No, that. no, we can do that. Now the turbo look is that the M four ninety one model designation. It's exactly that one, yes. Yeah, that's very rare car. Yeah. You know, I love those. In fact, I would I've always thought I would really like one without the tail. Because I love those fenders, and the tail's fine, and it works, and there's a reason for it. But on a non-turbo, not really a reason. But I, I get why they did that. But I have seen some M491 cars without the whale tail, T-tray on the back, whatever you like to call it. But yeah. So tell me about this other car you wanted to share.
1: Yeah, so essentially, it's um, it's more about the story that I connect with it. So I in 2008, I think it was, I went uh, for a couple of months to Australia. And we bought a Toyota Land Cruiser back in the days, which we even gave a name. So the car was called Clarence.
0: Clarence, uh, okay.
1: And it was for two years, uh, for two months, it was our home on wheels. Um, so we we took that car uh, through the Australian Outback. Didn't see anyone for a couple of weeks, sometimes in between. Wow. So all kinds of animals, friendly and dangerous, um, slept in the car, cooked in the car, and just lived in the car. And that's just like... It was one of my most exciting adventures when it comes to traveling, and it just was in that car, right? So that's why I'm why I'm just connecting that story to to that vehicle at the end.
0: Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. I've had a lot of guests on the show tied to the Toyota Land Cruiser, uh, even some like Jonathan Ward who builds old Toyotas but kind of retro builds them into new modern yeah. machines and so forth. But what a fun adventure. that sounds like a lot of fun now yeah, where, where does Clarence or Clarence? Where does Clarence live today? Is he still in Australia?
1: I actually don't know. I think he's still in Australia, but I have no idea. We didn't, we didn't follow it. Um, we, just, we just sold it after, we came, after we, we, we came back.
0: Very cool. Fun story. So I'm going to be your car psychologist today, kind of crawl into your head a little <laughs> bit, all right? Uh, if you were reincarnated or manifest as a vehicle, not what you yeah. want to be, but how you perceive the guy in the mirror as a vehicle, what would you be and why?
1: So I think that one is, is for me fairly easy. It, it would be actually really a 911, okay. um, independent of the model year. Um, for me, the, the car, and it describes what I want to be, right? I'm, I'm not yet there, but um, <laughs> the, the car really for me stands for a lot of things, but it stands for really timelessness. It stands for honesty. It stands for sportiness, reliability, innovation, not forgetting where you're coming from, um, knowing your roots and knowing your heritage. So it's kind of, I just connect a lot of things with that car itself and also how the design developed over the last decades, uh, still seeing what it what it was at the beginning, but still developing and um, taking lessons learned like of the years that it was out there in the market, becoming more efficient, all those kind of things, right? And it's just what, what I would like to be, um, I'm not there yet, as I said, there's a way to go, but that's, that's my goal.
0: What you aspire to. The 911 is a very interesting car to me because you look back to the first ones that came out, you know, mid-64, 65, all the way up to today, that lineage and heritage, although there's been massive change, it's still the same. And I don't think there's any other mark I can think of or car, maybe a Mustang, maybe. There was a period there where they got a little funky, right? But maybe the Mustang, but the 911, yeah. So, and I like your your thought there that you're aspiring to be, yeah, a, ever changing, ever improving, transitional vehicle.
1: I don't know if you have you ever seen that picture um, where they have that overlay of how the design. design yes. Yes. Uh huh. Fascinating. Yeah.
0: Well, you'll know this when you park your turbo and I park mine next to a new turbo. They've gotten a lot of bigger. <laughs> I mean, radically bigger there. I, I was at a dealership. They invited me to bring my car in because they were launching the new Porsche. This was right before COVID wiped us all out. And I parked my car in their showroom. It was the Larson Porsche here in Tacoma. Yeah. And my car sitting there next to the new car. And I would. Wow what a what a difference in size, so that's why i I sometimes kind of migrate towards the Cayman because it's a little bit more my size, you know yeah. I love the way it drives too, but that would be another story. Yeah. Is there a way that you or your team there at Porsche likes to give back help others in the automotive sector?
1: Yeah, definitely, so I think one thing that is pretty obvious from my role we help really founders to scale their teams right with the venture invest investments that we are doing, and we help them also to really get a foot into the door uh, when it comes to automotive and connect them to uh, to the big corporations in in europe and kind of really bridge the gap between how they communicate right um and and those kind of things so i think that's straightforward from a venture standpoint but probably coming back to mark i think one thing that we really want to do with mark is really helping people also new to the space to really understand why why there are people out there that that are so passionate about cars right so if you go on on the mark website um, and you, you look for some of the stories there. They're really interesting stories. Um, there is one surfer from, from Dennis Beach, for example, and she got, she, she bought an old Volkswagen bus just because she wanted to have a car to, uh, transport her surfboard and stuff like that. But that car similar to me kind of opened the door for her to, to go to those meetups. And then she really got into like the community. Yeah. Um, so it also shows people that. You don't actually have to be a, a, a car nut like in your youth already, right? You can really grow into that, and actually the, the hurdle rate to get into it is actually not that high. Right. And we just want to really help on the one hand those people to understand car culture, but on the other other hand also help the car culture to actually win that that next generation car enthusiast, right? I think that those two things we really wanna we wanna to bring together on Mark.com.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, That's tremendous. So is there a great book you'd like to share with our listeners today that you've enjoyed or learned a lot from?
1: There's one book that I read like years ago, probably 15 years ago even. And I'm a person who reads a lot of like, I'm not reading a lot of storybooks. It's more like about uh, things that I want to learn about Uh usually. And that book was about neurolinguistic programming. Sounds very complicated. Yeah. Um, But my lessons learned from it, it was actually talking about how the way you are talking is influencing your mind. Um, Like if you are talking about something in a negative way, like verbally, you're speaking negatively about something that then also really your head like thinks about that kind of thing in a negative way. But on the other hand, it gives you the opportunity if you face a challenge in your life that you actually can talk about it in a positive way. And with that actually even influence your mind in a positive way and even achieve your goals. Right. And it was like, a huge learning for me that I'm I'm trying to apply really in my everyday life, just being positive in how I talk. Um, uh, And even even though things are bad, I try to talk positive about them. And it really helps me. And I think also others then that I'm speaking to, um, to not think about, oh my God, we will fail, but more, hey, that's what we learned and that's what we can do to actually improve again.
0: Yeah, I think it was NLP titled NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and uh, complete NLP training to build mental resources, change your habits, and improve yeah. communication. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it
1: was that, I, I'm pretty sure it was that. I'm pretty sure about that. And it's and it's a large book, and it talks about many things, right? But I think my my takeaway was really that positive communication, and it's impressive how how much it helps, in my opinion. And um, I think there is there is another motto that i have in in life um which is a little bit connected to that also which is love it change it or leave it right like (laughs) to to your point from before like working on something that you're passionate about i think is super important and i really encourage everyone like even on my team right if there are things that they that they don't like and we cannot change then they they should do something else right because it's it's not sustainable um to to, uh, to do something that you
0: don't really like at the end. Well, it's, it's it's terrible. Actually, you know, you see people with careers like that and they just hate it. We mentioned that, I mentioned that earlier where people live just for the weekend and where yeah. they live for the to get home. You know, they can't wait for the end of the day. I've always looked at the clock and said, oh, it's six o'clock, I have to go eat. Uh, oh, I, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. This is this is pretty fun, but uh, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive today. I'm going to buy you any vehicle in the world. Open checkbook here at Cars. shop yeah? it's the kind of guy yeah. that I am. You can be with anybody and this person could be living or somebody who's deceased, somebody in the past, and you could be driving anywhere. So what does that ultimate drive look like for you, Stefan?
1: Um, let me think. So I'm I'm really into kind of also a little bit like management styles and things like that right and how you are able to accomplish a vision um that you're having and then really like driving it through like really being persistent and i think one one person that really sticks out there in my opinion is is steve jobs right uh and what what he has done uh, when he kind of started started apple back in the day so i think that's the that's the person I would I would love to to take on a ride before our call. I would have said I would take my 911. Now I would take your 911. Oh gosh! In hey, the I orange like, crush. Okay. I, I would like to I would like to experience a real turbo, um, especially '90s '987 uh, because I would they, they have the different transmission. So I yeah. I to try that out. I, I think I would be the driver to be honest because I'm a really bad co-driver. Um, okay. Where would I drive? I'm a big fan of Latin America. Um, uh, okay. So I would probably find a route um, somewhere in, in, in Latin America, probably in a country where I haven't been yet, probably Colombia or something like that. Um, there is a really, it's actually one of the locations on my bucket list where I still want to go. I forgot the name of it, but it's in Colombia. It's a huge like uh, lake um, area. Okay. Impressive views. I guess they also have really impressive streets. Um, so that's where I would go, I guess.
0: You know, it's interesting because you're the second person that wants to take my car. Uh, You know, uh, and, and you know, part of me is like, how come more people haven't said that? But uh, maybe it's like, well, I wouldn't want to take your car, Mark. I'll take some other car. But uh, I think that would be pretty fun. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be so happy about it going down to South America. Uh, um, But that's okay. You know, we're playing fantasy games here today, but it sounds like a lot of fun. And Steve Jobs has been mentioned couple times here, and of course, we all know why. I mean, a visionary like Elon Musk or any of the other visionaries in the world that just never took no as an answer and had this vision of what could be. And you look at now, we sit around and take for granted these wonderful devices we work on and wonder, how did we not live with these before? You know, it's uh, pretty outstanding.
1: What I really like also what stands out for Steve Jobs, in my opinion, is not only that he achieved his vision. But also that it wasn't like a run, run, a home run for him. Let's say like that, oh yeah, right? he
0: was, had a few challenges. Yeah,
1: yeah, there were challenges, right? And there were also like really difficult situations. But he still stood, stood up again, and like went back, uh, did his own thing, even reintegrated. Like now, Apple is even using parts of that, right? It's super, in my opinion, super interesting, like how that whole story and also his personality um, and also even his his childhood and everything. Like just the whole story, I think, is super. I just would would like to learn from from some someone like him,
0: no kidding, yeah, absolutely. Well, you've taken us on a wonderful ride today, and you and I uh could talk forever about Porsche, no doubt, uh, but I would love for you to share a parting piece of inspiration, advice, wisdom with our listeners today, some kind of quote or a mantra.
1: yeah, so I think overall, if you want to achieve something, you have to be persistent you you should not let demotivate yourself too fast by others, but take feedback and also not lose your humor, right and I think to my points from before, I think my mantra would be always stay positive and lead with passion um, because that's what it's all about. You have to be you have to be honest and when you lead people, the vision has to be honest, the mission has to be honest, but you also have to be a positive leader and, and drive things forward in that spirit.
0: Absolutely. Well said. How can people learn more about Mark? So they can just go on mark.com if they want to.
1: They can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm there. Um, and really want to, motivate people also to reach out to us, to share feedback, because as I, as I told you before, we want to create something that is valuable for the community, um, and there are so many people out there with such great experiences, so also encouraging everyone to reaching out and, and share their feedback.
0: Absolutely, I'll put all these links on Stefan's show notes page on the Carjia yeah website. Uh, he's the only Stefan Baral, B-A-R-A-L, so it'll be easy to find. Um, but you can also go to the Marked website, and they have all their connections with Instagram and so forth there. I encourage you, listeners, to check this out. Uh, I found it, and I want to do a shout out. Thank you to our mutual friend Pete Stout of Triple Zero Magazine. He's the one that connected us today, and of course, your colleague there, Jennifer Bixler uh, at Porsche Digital, for helping set this whole thing up. Thank you, Jennifer. Stefan. Hey, thanks for talking Porsche with me today. I'm excited. Maybe I'm going to run out to the garage and go take orange crush for a drive. The sun is coming out. Uh, so there you go until you and I talk again, my friend, or see each other at well, maybe rent sport or uh, loot to the cult or an event you guys put on. Uh, I'll see you down the road. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome.